أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين السلام عليكم brothers and sisters I hope uh, everyone is doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast so we ended here uh, in the last episode where uh, Imam Ali was saying Essentially, he was explaining this concept and this idea that if he ended up disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he ended up going against some of the red lines of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not that this was done in a premeditated manner. It's not that he was planning for this. It was really the idea that he was caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. And being in the wrong place at the wrong time, shaitan then used his desires to then get him uh, to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But... Before ending the episode, we went also through this line, فَلَكَ الْحُجَّةُ عَلَيَّ فِي جَمِيعَ ذَلِكَ This line in which the Imam explains that at the same time that I'm explaining that, you know, I was kind of stuck and I was vulnerable and because of that I ended up, you know, making this mistake that I made or these mistakes, I should say. Um, he's also not deflecting blame. So he ends up this discussion with فَلَكَ الْحُجَّةُ عَلَيَّ You have proven evidence against me. Or you have everything against me if you want to, you know, uh, hold me accountable. And we were explaining how Shaitan, when we went through the verses of the Quran, one of the first things that he did when God told him that he can stay alive after he didn't bow down to uh, Adam and he didn't prostrate to Adam, uh, one of the first things he said actually was, Rabbi bima He said, Ya Allah, now that you misguided me. So essentially, he put all of it on God and he made his point that. You know, if I'm if I am the way I am, it's because of you. And it's because you misguided me. The Imam is saying, although I want to make sure that this is not premeditated, right? And, and it doesn't uh, I make it clear that I wasn't planning to disobey you. At the same time, even if I wasn't planning, why did I get caught up in that moment and why did I still end up, you know, making this mistake? Therefore, Ya Allah, you can hold me accountable. So this idea of deflecting the blame is something that you find in the behavior and the conduct of the you know people who are like shaitan and follow in his footsteps this is why on the day of judgment you will also have people who will be into this business of deflecting blame now i want to open this up a little bit because it's a very very beautiful uh, delicate discussion the quran touches on it touches on it uh, a little bit and i'm just going to open it up a little bit so uh, in the day, on the Day of Judgment, the verses of the Qur'an tell us uh, that when people are thrown into hellfire, that they will then put the blame of their wrongdoings on the people who misguided them, right? So this is verses uh, from Surah Al-A'raf, this is verse 38. The verse says, When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is placing these people in the hellfire, right, then uh, the call comes that you guys enter hellfire like the people who came before you and disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the verse says this, Every time we take a group of people and we put it in hellfire. And there is a reason why the verse says, right? You would assume people would put in hellfire as in like one by one, right? Because that's how they're held accountable, right? But the verses of the Quran say they are, you know, they're put into hellfire as groups, as ummats. Okay, so there's a reason for that, and we don't really have time to go into that right now. But when these 
groups are put into hellfire. It says every time we take a group and we put it into hellfire, لعنت أختها. This group will then curse the other groups. حتى إذا داركوا فيها جميعا until they all gather in there. قالت أخراهم لأولاهم. Some of them will turn to the other ones. They will say ربنا. They will say يا الله. Our Lord. These guys were the ones who misguided us. So you punish them even more than you will punish us. Okay. So here you see that they're all going to end up in hellfire. They still want to take down. They still want the other ones who misguided them supposedly to be punished even more. And the Quran says, The Quran says each one of you will have their own punishment. right? And then in other verses of the Quran, we also read, that when people come into hellfire, the leaders, there's two groups, there's the leaders and then there's the followers. The leaders will turn to the followers and say, hey, um, or the followers, in fact, will turn to the leaders and say, hey, if we ended up here, right, it's because you guys day and night were bombarding us with all these evil thoughts. If we're, if we're here and we're in this position, it's because of you guys. And then the leaders, right, they will deflect blame. They will say, no, no, it's not because of us. Listen, if you're here, it's because you listen to us. So that's your fault. That's not our fault. So it's interesting how they're deflecting blame. Now, there is a point here to pay attention to. And that is, in this world, when you deflect blame, there is a chance you might get away with stuff, right? And that's the reality of life. Uh, there's a lot of times where someone might do something wrong. And because they deflect blame, they might be able to get away with it. In the hereafter, of course, deflecting blame, you're not going to be able to get away with it. And still these guys will do that, right? And that's how much it shows that in this world they were used to doing these types of things. That even in the hereafter, when they know they can't get away with it, right? Because in this world, maybe you can get away with it. Maybe people don't know the reality of things. In the next world, it's not like that. But still, even though they know they can't get away with it, because they have made such a habit of deflecting blame and pointing the finger at other people, they will still do it while they're burning in the hellfire. And this is what the verses of the Quran tells us on more than uh, one occasion. So Imam Ali wants to make it clear that, Ya Allah, I don't want to be like these people. I don't want to say that I made this mistake, but it wasn't my fault. It was, you know, it was as we say, I didn't do it, my hand did it. Right? Like, I don't want to deflect the blame. In all of this that I said, you're, you have the argument against me. You have the proof against me. You can hold me accountable. M moving on. And I don't have any right to oppose now that, you know, the result of my actions are becoming clear. The result of my actions is that I'm worthy of punishment at this point. And your decree, right, and your tribulation, it's imposed upon me, meaning that your punishment is going to come for me. Okay, so essentially what the imam is saying is that I am worthy of punishment, right? I'm not going to sit there and say that I'm not worthy of punishment. And it's interesting in the verses of the Quran, uh, when uh, on the day of judgment, this is from Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to Isa salam, Prophet Isa. And essentially, he's asking him about people who considered him to be God or the son of God, um, even though they knew that was not the truth. So the verses say that on that day, he will bring out Isa and he will ask, the, ask him in their presence. 
and he will say, is this what you told them? Is this what you, is this the message that you propagated to them that um, I'm your father and that you're my son? And the, these are verses 117 and 118. He says, No, I only told them the things that you told me to do. And then the verses continue, and then he reaches this line, right? He says, If you want to punish these guys, These guys are your servants. They've done wrong things. In other words, they're worthy of punishment. But if you forgive them, you will continue to be the one who has power and has might. In other words, what Prophet Isa is saying on the Day of Judgment is saying, listen, these guys are worthy of punishment. Now, whether you decide to forgive them or not, that's up to you. And it's essentially what Imam Ali is saying in the dua as well. Your decree right, is imposed upon me. I can't sit there and say, no, I'm not worthy of punishment. I'm worthy of punishment. I made a mistake. I knew there was an enemy uh, that was out to get me. Right. But I didn't pay attention and I just continued doing what I was doing. So now at this point, I am worthy of your punishment. I am worthy of being held uh, accountable. All right. So it's interesting because in our hadith, what we read is that if someone simply understands this idea and they simply acknowledge the idea that I am worthy of punishment, hadith says, that when someone acknowledges that, that in and of itself is a form of tawbah. It's a form of repentance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive his sins before he actually asks for forgiveness, right? Just the fact that he thinks to himself that, you know what? I am worthy of punishment. I disobeyed God and if he wanted to, he could punish me. The hadith says that in and of itself before he even asks for forgiveness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive his sins because he has reached um, that realization. All right, moving on. I have come to you, my Lord, after I have had so many shortcomings and I have done israf ala nafsi. Israf literally it means to cross a line. It means to go beyond a red line. right? So I have wronged myself even in this process. I have come to you, but I've come to you in this shape and in this form. Mu'tadiran nadima. I have come to you giving my udr, giving my apology. Nadiman, I am regretful. Munkasiran, I am broken. I'm not acting bold, right? I'm not acting, you know, audacious. I'm not acting like, you know, like a person who has a lot of audacity. You know, some people come and ask for forgiveness and right, and you don't even feel like they're <laughs> like they're humbled by the experience, right? Like, yeah, you need to forgive me. That's not how it works, right? You have to be broken. You have to be munkasir. Munkasiran, I've come to you broken. Mustaqilan, offering my apologies. Mustaghfiran, asking for forgiveness. Muniban, turning back towards you and repenting. Muqirran, mudhanan, mu'tarifa, while I am acknowledging, right, and confessing to my sins. And I don't find any way out. I don't find any way to escape the things that I have done. Okay. I want to pause at this line because it's a very beautiful line and it can be understood in a multitude of ways. And I will mention two of them. So the first one is that, yes, we can never run away from the things that we've done, essentially, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is all-encompassing. We've talked about this before, right? He's the creator. When you create something, you are connected to your creation. 
And not only do you know what your creation does, you are connected to your creation. Your Their existence comes directly from you. And therefore, the idea of you not knowing what your creation is doing is, you know, it's it's actually kind of absurd, right? So yes, in that sense, I have no way to escape the things that I've done because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything at all times. But then in a different way also, this uh, line applies as well. There is no way that I can run away and escape from the things that I have done can also be understood in this way that goes hand in hand with the first understanding. And that is this, that we believe from a theological slash philosophical perspective that everything that the human being does essentially becomes part of who he is. We believe that when someone commits an act, whether it's a good act or a bad act, this action leaves a, uh, you know, a, an effect on his soul, right? Even though it may not look like that. In the reality of life, if I were to steal something from someone, the act of me stealing happens in a time that maybe was like five days ago, uh, you know, a month ago, a year ago, whatever the case may be. Now, five days later, a year later, in terms of time-wise, my action is done. In terms of my action from a physical perspective, my action is done and it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't have an existence anymore. It existed during that time. And now it's done. But from a philosophical perspective, because we know that this act of ours places an effect on our soul, essentially I can't run away from the effect that this action has on my soul. Okay, so that's that's the direction we're headed right now. I'm going to open that up just a little bit more. So what we know in the, from the verses of the Quran and from Hadith as well is that when someone does something wrong, even though it seems like their action is done, because it leaves an effect on their soul, that effect remains with them. And because essentially someone cannot run away from themselves, no one can run away from their soul, no one can separate themselves from their soul, essentially they can never separate themselves from their actions, right? Unless they ratify it, unless they fix it with tawbah or with repentance, which is what essentially in this whole dua, we are in the process of. And the proof for this is that the verses of the Quran tell us that when people show up on the Day of Judgment um, and they are being resurrected, the verses of the Quran tell us that before they even go through help being held accountable, before they even have their good deeds you know, counted and their bad deeds counted and which one is going to be more, you know, all that kind of stuff, I always remember growing up, there was always this this one kid in the class who would always ask the same question. What if you have the same amount of the good deeds and the same amount of bad deeds, right? And it was just such a mystery growing up for us. I remember every single, you know, Islamic studies class we had, that was a question on, on our mind growing up. But nonetheless, before we even uh, have the counting of the good deeds and the bad deeds, the verses of the Quran tell us that people, it will show in their faces whether they're a good person or a bad person. Think about this, like the verses, uh, we have hadith for this as well, that people will show up on that day looking certain ways. How will they look? They will look based off of the reality of their soul. So if the reality of their soul is something beautiful, they'll look awesome, they'll look beautiful, right? And if that's not the case, they will look horrible. Other people will run away from them, okay? So 
even if this accounting doesn't happen technically on the Day of Judgment, the reality is just based on the way you look, people can tell not only whether you did something bad or not, they can also tell uh, what bad thing you did, right? And that's why the verses of the Quran say, And there are multiple verses on this topic and on this concept. That on the Day of Judgment, there will be faces, they will be dark, right? And then there are faces that will have light illuminating from them, right? And then, you know, in the dua that we do for wudu, we also, this is also part of that dua, that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we wash the face, right? That, Allahumma ibyadda wajhi yawma tabyadda wujuh that you make my face illuminate with light on that day when the faces will be illuminating with light and don't make my face amongst those that are going to be dark on that day. So essentially, when I show up on that day, the reality of my soul is showing. And because the reality of my soul is showing, everybody already knows what type of person I am. And that's why we have hadith, for example, that people will show up as animals at times, right? depending on what type of sin they committed. And uh, some of the particular examples that are mentioned is like, for example, people will show up as ants. Why? Because they were arrogant in this world. So they'll show up as an ant as part of their punishment. And people will walk all over them, which means, you know, essentially that this is while people are going to then be held accountable for their actions. Or, for example, we have hadith that people, some people will show up as swines and as pigs, right? Because they used to eat anything that you know, God, you know, or, or anything essentially that was in front of them, right? So uh, everyone shows up with these different faces and these different uh, appearances. You don't even need someone to sit there and say, oh, this one is a good one. This one is not a good one. No, essentially on their forehead, it will tell, like, you know, it will scream what type of person they are, right? And then uh, other verses of the Quran say that some people will show up and they will be looking down. They will be embarrassed. Some people won't be like that. Um, so the verses of the Quran and Hadith tell us that you are, you will show the type of person you are already. Where does this come from? Going back to the dua, this comes from the fact that whatever you did leaves a mark. And when I say a mark, I'm, you know, this is an underestimation of what what it really is. But essentially, it leaves an effect and a mark on your soul, right? And because it leaves a mark and a and, and, and its place on, on your soul, an effect on your soul, because you can't run away from who you are, that's why the Imam is saying, La ajidu minni. I can't run away from the things that I've done. Because everything that I've done has either, you know, healed my soul or it has essentially wounded my soul. And I obviously can't run away from who I am, therefore I cannot run away from my different actions. That's another way of looking at this line of the dua, which, by the way, is, as I mentioned, it's backed by the verses of the Quran and our hadith. So going back to the dua, the Imam said, I'm coming to you with these, um, you know, six or nine different attributes. I'm broken. I'm regretful. I'm offering my apology. Why? Because I know that there is no way I can run away from uh, the things uh, that I have done. And then he will continue with this and we'll leave this inshallah for the for the next episode. And I know that there's nowhere I can turn in my affairs because essentially all of these bad deeds that I've done, uh, they, are, they are part of me. They are part of who I am unless I end up doing Tawbah. And if I do end up doing Tawbah, 
then I can take care of those wounds that I have left on my soul. Inshallah, we'll continue with this topic in the next episode.